Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Uh, missed you guys. Uh, I was uh, scheduled to be here on the day that big snowstorm hit, but uh, the Lord had other plans. And so I really do feel that way. I, I, miss, I miss seeing you, and I feel like it's been too long since I've been back. So thanks for having me back here. If uh, I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tom Richter, and I'm a pastor in Jamaica, Queens, who sometimes preaches here at City on a Hill. Boy, the risk today is that, I mean, I don't know if you've been at all listening, but today has been epic, and like every, yeah, like every announcement and every just, even like the things that are casual offhand comments have been just hitting me and feeding my soul. I'll never look at that picture again. Where You ever see a piece of art like that and go, I- I've seen that thing a-, a thousand times. How come I never saw it? The lions are looking at their king, you know, and he didn't turn his back on a lion. All hail the lion of Judah. He's just smart enough to know if you're going to fear, don't fear the one that can just kill the body, man. Feel the, fear God. And the lions are like, us too. We're not crazy. We know our mate. So anyway, the whole thing, and then, you know, this epic battle for your children's souls raging on and all that. So I run the risk of sort of getting in the way, and all I want to do here is hopefully uh, get out of the way. Bob already preached my sermon. Well, I mean, that's it. That's the message. It's not about the tithe. It's not about legalism. It's about the heart. It couldn't have put it better. Um, my, uh, my daughter is, uh, Hey, uh, by the way, you, you know, you think, man, I, I'm kind of new here. I haven't been here a very long time. You guys remember before I had any kids? Remember it was just me rolling? Yeah. Yeah. Katie turned four last week. She's four. We're old guys. She turned, isn't that unreal how long I've been here? Yeah. It's not, not, not possible. Anywho, uh, Valentine's day a couple weeks ago and she, we told her to give Valentine's to everybody you love. And at the same time, we're trying to teach her to tithe. And so Jackie and I are thinking, you know, we got to teach because we, we teach the tithe to our children. So, so when they take up a little offering in children's church, if we give Katie a dollar, we give it in dimes because a dime out of a dollar. Why? Because 10% is the amount you're supposed to get to and then check that off. No, 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 no because 10% is the floor. And we want to teach her, it's a lot harder to get to that floor, to get to that baseline, if you start with no percent. Then you get to be an adult, and you're like, whoa, I can never get to 10, or whatever. But if you start at 10, then the sky's the limit. You know, well, I mean, 100's the limit, but you get the idea. And uh, anyway, what does that have to do with Valentine's? About that same time, a couple weeks ago, she's doing Valentine's, and giving Valentine's to everybody she loves. And she says, and now this one's for God. And we were like, yeah, I know. But now Jackie and I are in this big theological quandary, like, I mean, be mine, God, you know, like, what does it say? What, what could it mean? And we're trying to, like, piece all this together. Like, do you give a Valentine to God? Like, theologically, how does this work and everything? And, of course, Jackie and I were like, yes, you know. Um, but that's the difference, I think, between Old Testament legalistic tithing and giving. It's the difference between a dime out of a dollar, you know, and Valentine. You know, it's like what you said. It's the heart. And I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, I made it to 10%, check, I want to be the guy who says, look, if the Old Testament, that's the tithe, that's 10%, that's a great place to start. But I want, you know, where my treasure is, my heart will be also. And I want the, I, I know that feeling. Like, you know, I had to, it took me a while to figure out Liper. It's Lipa for Long Island. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah Liper. Uh, 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 L-I-P-A-R. I kept like scratching my head. But the R is just, that's vernacular. But I, that's it, that's it. I don't want to be the guy, for me it's Con Ed, but it's the same Con. I, you know, I don't want to be the guy... Who is always, I'm kidding. I don't want to be the guy who's always doing that. And my heart is always in Nissan and Visa and MasterCard and all that stuff. 
Uh, I want to be the guy who's still giving Valentines, you know, and, um, and that's it. It's about my heart. Now, you said it better than what I, the way I had it framed to say, but I've got this time to fill, and I want to nonetheless, I want to nonetheless say it. I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm saying, listen, every, he's not the only one. Like, multiple people will say that. Uh, what great joy has I've gotten hold of giving. So I want to talk about money today. But if that makes you uncomfortable, I want to talk about stewardship. But really, I just want to talk about money. And uh, I do this every year at my church. And so uh, uh, I sort of experimented on my church. And everybody's still coming. Everybody's still alive. And so now I'm going to, I think, you know, and and so I put part one because I did it in a multiple part at my church. And so if the Lord leads and and we're having a good time with this, maybe we'll we'll follow up uh, with part two. But uh, uh, talk about money for two reasons. One sort of practical and one very spiritual. The practical reason is at the beginning of the year, I think it's a great time to talk about stewardship because... um, uh, people have finances on their minds. A lot of people, you did New Year's resolutions. You remember the New Year, right? Uh, you did New Year's resolutions about finances. The W-2s come in. Many of you are doing your taxes right now. Maybe you did some year-end giving and you got that statement or whatever. Uh, uh, for some of you, you maybe overspent a little in the holidays. And now the credit card bill, you're paying now for Christmas 2012. You're like, that was so long ago. I, uh, and so we talk about money on a, on a practical matter. Uh, the other thing is more of a, uh, a spiritual matter, and, um, and I can assure you, let me just start right here. Anytime you, I mean, maybe you haven't been to City on a Hill in a while. In fact, maybe this is your first time here at City on a Hill Church. You know? I don't want to say welcome to you. I'm glad you're here, but I know what you're thinking. Part of the reason you didn't want to come to church, and part of the reason you haven't been coming to church for years, is because every time you come to church, like, all they talk about is money. And the first thing I say is, I want to talk about money, you know? And you're like, oh, right? But hear me out. Um, I know that it can be awkward to hear a preacher talk about money. And I know that can be very, very awkward. But I just want to assure you on this. I can be awkward on any topic. <laughs> so uh, you don't, it's, it's not just money. Like if you feel really uncomfortable and go, that was weird, you should hear my other sermons. Like that... <laughs> Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really get any style points on sermons or preaching. Uh, my, my job is th- that you would do these things, you know, that we not just be hearers of the word, but you would do it. And so I'll do whatever it takes, uh, even if I have to be a little gimmicky. And that leads me to the title of my sermon, How to Be Rich. Now, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I think we are told every single day of our life we get advice on how to get rich. But notice carefully, this isn't how to get rich. This is instructions on how to live, like how to be once you're rich, okay? So here's how to be rich, because here's my concern. Some of you might be rich, and you don't know how to do it. Have you, I mean, there are good rich people, and there are bad rich people. There's a, a way to be bad rich people, and there's a way to be good at being rich. So I want to make sure for those of you who are rich, how, how to be rich. The others of you, you're trying to get rich, so who's going to help you once you cross that line? And how will you really know when you've crossed that line? Does that ever happen? Has that ever happened? Has anybody been like, I got a number, it's my goal, and I'm going through, and then boom, one day, Friday, payday, there I go. Ah, I just crossed the line. I went not rich, not rich, not rich, rich. What's up, world? It happened. I can point to the day, it happened. Nobody says that, right? Um, so, so, so how will you know if you get rich? And, if you, and some of you are like, man, I'm not rich at all. I'm the opposite of rich. I'm a college student or whatever. Well, you're majoring in rich, right? I mean, you're, you're on a path to try to hopefully get some income. 
Um, and uh, one last confession. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Andy Stanley. He's a preacher at North Point Church in Atlanta. If, you, if that name sounds familiar, you might be thinking of Charles Stanley, which is his much more slow-talking father uh, out of Atlanta. Both great preachers, both just tremendous preachers. And I got the idea and a lot of this material from Andy Stanley. And you can go. I won't be offended at all. If you would rather hear how Andy preaches it to his people down south, as, just go to northpoint.org, Google how to be rich, and be like, man. Uh, so I tell you that I was blessed by this, richly blessed. And so I want to pass that on to you. And there's no shame in my game telling you he does it better than me. But I was moved by it, and I want to share it with you. So that, that's, that's coming from the heart. Uh, on, a, on a more practical note, uh, it's also important when you're preaching this, you know, to give credit where credit is due, if nothing else for this reason. I don't want you one day to be, you know, thumbing along sermon podcasts and see Andy Stanley, How to Be Rich, and then suddenly be like, what? And send Andy this angry email. You are ripping off Tom Richter. Stop. Send. You know, that's going to be so awkward. Because uh, turns out I'm ripping off his stuff. Is everybody, everybody clear on that? All right. But we're both supposed to be ripping off the Bible. And I mean, right. We're both taking the scriptures. So turn with me to First Timothy chapter six. 1 Timothy 6, and let's talk about how to be rich. Everybody's telling you how to get rich, but who's going to help you learn how to be rich once you cross that wonderful line from not rich to rich? Here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to read 17 through 19. Here we go. Uh, oh, a uh, little bit of background. Uh, he's, uh, Paul has been talking about money a lot, and, and, and the love of money is the root of all evil, and that, th- those verses are in there. The godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, those verses are in there. He's been talking a lot about uh, money, and, and mainly this is Paul teaching his young uh, men, you know, mentee, Timothy. He's teaching him how to preach, especially how to preach to these rich people. And so he gives some advice, and this is very interesting, because a lot of the Bible sort of applies to everybody. You know, you were created in the image of God, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. This is very specific. In 1 Timothy six seventeen, he is he's saying, command a very specific group of people. It's very interesting what it says. Command those, Paul's telling Timothy, here's how to deal with this. Command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Command those, I want you to look back at verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world. What's Paul saying? He's saying, look, I I get it. Rich people have a very specific set of problems and God loves rich people. And so he wants to help. He loves them no more, no less than poor people or or middle class people or somebody in between. And so he wants to help you. He, He wants you to have some advice too on how to be rich. And so he starts, command those who are rich in this present world. And that's where I've lost most of you, right? This is the problem. Uh, who, who is that? Command those who are rich in this present world. Some of you are already thinking, well, like, you know, I can tune out the rest of this sermon and all future sermons about this topic. I'm telling you, these verses are specifically for rich people. Now, raise your hand. Is that you? Right? Exactly. <laughs> Nobody, right? Like, that's one of the, who, this is my point. Who are these verses intended for? Because they're there in the Bible. They're written for somebody. Paul was a guy who knew something about riches. He lost it all when Christianity became illegal. So who are these verses for? 
The answer is no one, right? Obviously, they're for no one. And I think when Timothy preached him the first time, these verses were for no one. See, one of the crazy side effects of being rich is like denial that you're rich. Isn't that, isn't that something? There's almost a stigma about it. Like you wouldn't be ashamed if I said, you know, raise your hand if you're tall. And you're sitting there like 6'3". Raise your hand if you're tall. No, I'm not. You know, right? Everybody would be looking at you like, bro, put that gangly big arm up in the air and wave it around. Like you are freakishly large. Like, right? You wouldn't feel sad about it. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't beat yourself up. You wouldn't have a bit. You'd be like, if I said, raise your hand if you are athletic, you'd be like, well, you know, I, I don't want to be prideful, but you wouldn't like, you know, eventually your wife or, you know, your friend, would, dude, raise your hand up. No, raise your hand up. You know, you'd raise that muscular arm or whatever. If I said, raise your hand if you're artsy, you wouldn't be ashamed. You'd be in the back sipping a latte with a beret. Yeah, we're here. Or whatever. You know who you are. If I said, raise your hand with an extrovert, you'd stand up. I'm extroverted. Have I met you yet? I'm, I'm totally, let's network. Right? Whatever. You wouldn't. And think twice about it. And yet, who's rich? Suddenly, no one. So somebody's, here's a catch. Uh, nobody's rich, but everybody knows someone who is. Isn't that something? Nobody's rich, but we all know someone who is. And so I thought, we've got a real problem here because I do not believe these verses are for no one. I believe they're for somebody. And everybody in here knows somebody who's rich. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to give you characteristics of rich people, so that if you ever spot one in the wild, you will be able to identify rich people. You ready? It's crazy stuff about rich people. A lot of it you won't believe. Uh, first, I got to define rich. Rich means having all your needs met and extra. Is that a fair definition of rich? Have all your needs met and extra. Wouldn't that feel good? Right now, if I just told you, boom, all your needs are met and you have extra, you feel rich, right? Um, Needs, simple. Let's just go back to eighth grade civics class, right? Uh, Food, clean water, clothing, transportation, shelter, football. Like there are just just a few needs, right? And once you have all your needs met and extra, you're good to go. You're rich. So let me tell you about rich people. Rich people uh, uh, work sometimes often at jobs. And what they'll do is they save money they don't need. Because if they save it, it means they don't need it right there. So they've got enough money that they can, they can not only pay for all their needs and, and some enjoyment, then they'll save some. And they put it in a, a mutual fund or some investment and give it some tax code like 401k. But they make so much money that they can actually put some money away just in case they don't die before they need that extra money. That's it. Uh, rich people, I've heard about this. You're not, you're not going to believe this. There are some people who are so rich. They can purchase a week's worth of food. Stay with me. They can buy seven days worth of food on only five days worth of work. Um, I know it's, it's laughable because who has that much money, right? But you can buy, you can only go to work for five days and get, there are some people so rich, not just them, but their whole family. They can feed an entire family seven days, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks, and only have to work five of the seven days. It's unheard of. There are some rich people who have thrown away food. I've heard of this. They have refrigerators to keep their food cold because they buy it sometimes a week at a time. 
and they'll open up the refrigerator and they'll bring in new food and there will be food there that could potentially be edible, but, but it's close, they will actually throw it away. And I don't even know what that looks like, but it's like, oh, I guess we didn't get to eat this stuff and just toss it away. And they, I mean, they must throw a party where I'm throwing away food. I am balling. Like, look how rich I am. I, right? What? what? They're so rich, they throw away food. Uh, there are people, I've heard about rich people who will stand in line. Rich people don't like to wait in lines because it's boom, boom, boom. You know, I'm rich, but they'll stand in line for, uh, 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 like, a, let's say they go to the Apple store, and they'll stand in line with a phone from which they can text and call, and they'll do that. They'll text other people and call other people, and they'll be explaining to them, I'm in line for this new device that can, you ready? Text and call. <laughs> and no one dies in an explosion of irony. Uh, I've heard about... Never seen this, never seen this, but I've heard about people that are so rich, they'll stand in front of a closet full of clothes. And have the audacity to say the following sentence. I just don't have anything. You've, you've met these rich people. You know these rich people. Yeah. Should I wear my work clothes, my after work clothes, my workout clothes, my work in the yard clothes? I don't know. You've got something. There are people who work for companies. That, these people are so rich. These companies will look at them and say, we want you to take two weeks. Okay? Do not come into work. Do not do any work for two weeks and we will give you money. It's called vacation days. You ever heard of this? There are... Do you know how laughable that is? Like the rest of the world is cracking up laughing. That There exists a place in planet Earth where people will say to you, don't do any work. Here's money for not doing anything, right? You know how rare this is? Uh, do I need to like <clears throat> keep going or are you guys with me? You guys are with me already? Okay, yeah. Okay, one more. There are, rich, there are people so rich, they built little houses for their cars. <laughs> like who does that? People don't have houses. We build houses for our cars. Some of you have two cars in a house. These car houses. And you get mad when you don't have to open the door for your car house. Oh, my remote's broken for my car house. Now, Tom, you're saying, you... You told me this sermon was going to be about rich people. You didn't describe rich people. You just described normal, average, everyday people. You described everyday life. Exactly. That's my point. Uh, You are what you call normal. Someone in the world right now looks at your life and says, rich. Rich. I thought you were going to talk about Donald Trump or Bill Gates or LeBron James. No, who's rich? We say no one, but... No one is rich, but as I said, everyone knows someone who is. Look, the person you think is rich, this works the other way around. The person you think is rich, they just think they're normal. That's what everybody does. We all do it. No one is rich. So who is rich? we got to figure this out. Who is rich? So we turn to Gallup, who did a great poll uh, asking people who is rich. Like, what's the number where we're rich? What's that magical line, we're rich? And you can probably guess the answer. Uh, The answer is, it uh, totally depends on who you ask. Is that something? And so I want to make sure I get my numbers right. They asked people who made less than $30,000 a year. So all the survey of people whose annual income is less than $30,000, and the number they said, what is rich? What is rich? What's that magical number? The answer they came up with was, uh, they said this great quote, no one is rich, but no. Um, yeah, 
They came up with 74 grand. They said, uh, when you make that number, uh, then you're rich, right? And some of you are already getting the point because you just got your W-2 and you go, oh, well, I make that. Well, guess what? The guy making 30 thinks you are loaded, okay? Um, and if we ask the guy making 74000 do you think you're rich? He'd say, no, 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 I'm not rich, I'm not rich. So, they, so Gallup asked people uh, who made between, again, I want to make sure I get this right, the next 30000 to 50000 and they said the guy making is, uh, <clears throat> just advanced, yeah, hundred grand. So, that, so see, the people who, in other words, each one is like just a little more than double. If I had just a little more than double, apparently, is the standard. And then uh, Money Magazine did a funny survey on really high income earners, and they didn't talk about annual wages. They just talk about net assets. Because if we ask the guy making 100, he doesn't think, you know, he's rich. Uh, uh, everybody get my point. The, 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 so they asked Money Magazine, did this survey where, okay, what's the number of uh, total assets? And the number they, like, what's the number where you feel comfortable? You would finally say, this is rich, you're all set. And that number they came up with was yeah five million so if you had all these total assets then that's rich you know i should say so but you know but what's funny about that is uh go to the guy making three million and he's going right you know and i I, you know i'm sure if we ask the guy who has five million dollars in the bank you know what do you think are you good right don't we always look up the ladder never down you know the way to make a guy with a $100,000 house miserable is put him in a neighborhood where everybody has a $300,000 house, right? That's all. I was so happy with my house. And now I'm not, right? That's it. Because we look up the ladder, not down. So let me, let me just sort of visualize looking down the ladder just, just a second. Um, if you want to take nationally, those numbers are, are kind of fun. But it, globally, it stops being fun. Uh, so globally, you can go to the globalrichlist.org. And it, you, yeah, there it is. It, uh, .com, excuse me. Global, <laughs> who knows what Todd was probably a gambling site. Thanks, Pastor. Uh, globalrichlist.com, and it'll tell you the actual number of like where you stand on a global scale. And so you type in your annual income, and you get an actual number of out of 100 people, you know, 7 billion, out of that percentage, where are you? And uh, so you might type in, say, the average income, median income in this country is about $50,000. So say you type in $50,000 out of 100 people uh, uh, in the world. Guess where that puts you? Guess where you are in that line? $50,000. Show them. You would be there. Like, just to to belabor this point ever so slightly, if you make $50,000, you're not in the top 1%. You're in the top 0.98% of the world, right? Right? Okay, well, say you're, say you're poor in this country. Say you only made $100, not $100 a week. Say you made $100 a month, right? You can't live on $100 a month. That's insane. That's like, if you were a babysitter in this country, where would you be? Yet, you, you've only moved, you're still in the top 36.25% of the richest people of the world. You start making a dollar a day, and you start getting down to where the rest of the world is. Um, whew. Now, now would be a, a good time as any to sort of stop for a moment and, and address a, a couple things. Um... The first is, we're, if you haven't got the point already, we're richer than we think. And when I say to you, after all of my evidence globally and nationally, and when I stand before you and say, hey, these verses aren't about nobody, they're about me and they're about you, congrats, you're rich. I just want to point out like two things. One is, like, nobody seemed overly happy about my news. You know, And it didn't happen at my church either. Like, nobody stood up and was like, yeah! 
I'm rich. I knew it. I had a hunch, right? And you go home, you're like, city on a hill. I love this church. Honey, you're not going to believe it. Turns out I'm, we're rich. We're, and we've been rich for years. This changes everything. This changes nothing. Why? Because you don't, you don't feel rich, you know? You don't feel rich. You just have sort of a way of filling up all of your extra dollars with suddenly stuff you need, right? The only guy who feels rich is the guy who gets his first job. He's 16 years old. He gets his first job over at the grocery store, you know, meat packing, and suddenly starts banking $300 every paycheck. You know, he's up to six, up to 12, has zero expenses and all this margin in his life. That's the guy who feels rich. He's riding around in his beat up Corolla 1985, you know, whatever. And it, but he's the richest guy in Long Island. Why? Because he's got a little margin in his life. So the moral of the story is move back in with your parents. <laughs> And you will feel rich. No. The moral is, I have to help you. Timothy has to help. The word of God has to help you, rich people. And this one. We need some guidance. You suddenly realize it's not easy to be rich. And there's a lot of people who do it badly. But the Bible doesn't leave you hanging. And the Bible's theology of riches is more than, so feel bad. The Bible's theology of riches is a little more robust than just, so feel guilty. It's got something to say to us. More than just, so you should just feel, look at all these starving people. You, you know, you should feel good. No, it's not what it says at all. He doesn't say command those who are rich in this present world to just hang their head, feel guilty, and feel bad about being rich. Not at all. Gives us some advice. All, all I was trying to do, I took the lion's share of the sermon just to say, these rich people aren't somebody else. This is us. Like, a lot of us think, you know, these rich people are Bernie Madoff, you know, filthy rich. That's who this sermon's about. But what if it's more than about these people, you know? What if it's about this guy? I'm rich. Okay, now what? Oh, one more thing I need to interject because this happened at my church. It came up as I was preaching. Like Linda said, Pastor Linda said, I wish I could hug each and every one of you. You know her. She means it, and, and might, on the way out, you might, in fact, get a hug. I've gotten a lot of them, and, and they're good, and, and the lechies, they really do, they mean it, they love you. And so sometimes when you're preaching, you've experienced this, you realize these are real people, these aren't theological concepts, and as I was preaching, I'm looking out, and that guy needs a job, and that guy, you know, needs a job, and, and so here they are, and they're, they're looking at me going, you could have that global rich list all you want, I'm still zero, because I, I, I don't have a job, you know? And I get that. And these are like my friends and my people, you know? Um, and, and, I, you know, and maybe you're here and you're struggling. You're like, really? How to be rich? I'm struggling so much. I can't. You know, I get that. There are people who are on fixed incomes. There are people who, I, I totally get that. I guess all I'm trying to say is, um, well, first I would say technically this doesn't apply to you right now. You know, you're not those who are rich in this present world. And that's okay. Maybe I should just leave it there. But I just want to say, don't altogether kick this out. Because it's, it's a funny thing about this country. It's like you almost, you got potential, though, to be back on your feet in a way that real poverty you don't. Uh, Compassion International is a charity that I love and support. And um, uh, 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 you guys have Compassion Sunday, I think, from time to time. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of the things they say is the opposite of poverty is not income. The opposite of poverty, or, or poverty is not the absence of income. Poverty True poverty is the absence of hope. See, and, and while if, if tomorrow I lost my job, I would feel like terrible. I'd be like so bummed. And really, I, 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 I'd have a couple days and weeks of, ah, what am I going to do? But come on, I, I live in this country. I've been blessed with, you know, like all the advantages or whatever. I, I, it's sort of like I have, what do they call it, earning, what, earning potential? Is that what it's called? I have earning potential. Imagine being in a world where you lost your job and you don't have earning potential. 
That's the world that people are living in. So all I'm saying is, even if this doesn't apply to you right now, you're probably putting out resumes. Well, what if they work? Like, you've probably got Wednesday night prayer group going to bat for you. They're not going to pray for a bad job for you, right? They're going to pray for good jobs. I would. That's why I pray for my people. Bless them with a great job. What happens when you get it? That's all. So file this away for what may be coming. Uh, just a quick word to those who are truly discouraged about a financial situation. Yes, it may not apply to you right now. For a vast majority, maybe this does hit home, that we're richer than we think. So I'm rich, now what? How does this sermon end? What is the end of this story? One end of the story could be, he says, uh, let me make sure I got it. There it is. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. All right, well, one way you could end this sermon is to be arrogant. And one way to be arrogant is to remain in denial. I am not rich. It's to leave here and go, that was a great sermon. We better get that CD for Uncle Frank, you know. He's the guy. who. It's always somebody else. One way is to sit under the word of God and say, you know what, this is for me. And, and whatever the rest of these instructions are, I'm going to receive them as if they're for me, right? One way is arrogance. And um, uh, uh, another way of, to be arrogant is to say, look, man, I, I get it, but I'm rich, but I live by my own hand. And everything I got, I earned, right? There are some people, this is my hard work. I don't need God. I don't need, his, I don't need to give him any credit. And uh, this is mine, right? That's arrogant. And I don't think anybody would be foolhardy enough to say that. But, but if so, that's arrogant. And it's a really easy way to uncover that arrogance, you know, just... Just, you know, uh, it's hard to see in yourself. That's why, that's why First Timothy, he's told, command those who are rich. Because it's hard to see it in yourself. Uh, arrogance is a funny thing. You never see it in the mirror. You only see it in other people. It's one of the things you, you just can't see it. And you don't see it until somebody else has it. And he sees that pride and arrogance, which makes your pride, mm, I suddenly see it, right? Uh, these are pride serpents that are... Right, you only see it in other people. And so he says, command those who are arrogant. Uh, if you say, well, I really work, I worked really hard and I did this myself and I, you know, I earned all my money. That's fine, but come on, come on. Uh, my great-grandma worked harder than you. And I don't even know what you do. But my great-grandma worked harder than you. Your great-grandma worked harder than me. Uh, you don't know, and, well, I mean, that's not hard. But, right, you, I, my great-grandma worked harder than you. Because no matter what you do, you didn't pack up a family and pioneer westward expansion and end up in New Mexico. And, you know, you did not work as hard as her. And here's the deal. She was dirt poor. So don't tell me that hard work equals great riches. Because you didn't work as hard as her, and she was dirt poor. You know what I'm saying? Um, on the other hand, you may have been blessed with natural talent. You may have been blessed with a lot of ability. Who gave you that, right? It all circles back to God. So don't be arrogant. Uh, I don't think, here's the thing, I don't think many of you are, that's even a, a risk or a threat. Here's what I think. And I, I hinted at it earlier, and I close with it. Um, my great fear is that you will walk out of here with guilt. And you will say, okay, I'm rich. You convinced me. You took a whole sermon to say, command those who are rich, and you spent the whole sermon time saying, command those who are rich, that's you. Let these verses fall on you, not other people, that's you. Great. Great. Thanks, Tom. So, <clears throat> see, when I walked in here, I felt financial pressure, and I was worried about my finances, okay? And now, I not only have the financial pressure, but I have the guilt that I shouldn't feel such financial pressure because I'm rich, right? That's my fear. Thanks. Now I have two things wrong with me, right? I came in here with one, and you managed to somehow double my guilt in 30 minutes. That is, that is an amazing, you know, my mother-in-law can't do it at that rate. 30 minutes of guilt magnification, right? Uh, I get that. That you walked in here thinking, you know, basically all you're going to hear the moral of the sermon is, so don't even, you don't even get self-pity. Like you don't even get to whine about your poverty because the rest of the world's looking at you going rich, you know? Uh, uh, like almost like survivor's guilt. Like people, 
are in some terrible accident and everybody dies but them. And they're going, why? Why did I guilt? And a lot of, this is what bothers me. A lot of theology and a lot of books you read, and a lot, that, that's sort of what, where they come down on. They're just like, just feel guilty about being rich, you know? Um, but that's not what this word says. That's not it. He says what? Well, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our, say it, enjoyment. Say it like you're not even scared to say it. He provides everything for our enjoyment. And command them to be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share, laying up for themselves treasures, right? And discover the life that is truly life. Be generous and willing to share. Don't you He's saying, hey, what did you do to get rich? I laid a little bit away. I was diligent. He's do the same thing with your good deeds. Take a little bit of time. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to guard this. I'm going to make this a priority. Be generous with your giving. I have never seen generosity. I have never seen radical generosity take its starting point from guilt. Guilt never overflows into radical generosity. In fact, I've never even seen it happen from need. You know, we could put all these pictures of needy kids and, you know, look, here are the kids that um, uh, 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 y- yesterday you did that feeding ministry. Here's all the people of what they look like without your food. Or, or here's pictures of people dying and going to hell. But unless you give to the church, you know, they're going to they're gonna do outreach ministries and all that stuff. That works for a little bit, but that's not radical generosity. Radical generosity overflows. There's the ra- yeah, radical generosity overflows from this. Gratitude. Gratitude. And you can't have gratitude if you sit in your chair and go, I'm not rich. It starts by acknowledging I'm rich. I told you Katie turned four, had a big birthday blowout for her, you know the deal. And they get so many gifts they don't need, right? Isn't that tough as a parent? Because you're sitting there going, man, really? Like, what are we doing? And before she can even enjoy one gift, she's off to the next one, right? So what do we do as parents? Well, I'll tell you what we don't, what I don't want for her is that she sits there in guilt, like, would that be a loving father? You think that's how your heavenly father? Hey, I bless you. I provide all your needs. I change your diaper. You know all that stuff. I give you food and drink and all that stuff, kids. But here's some extra blessing, just because I want it for your enjoyment. Do you think it honors God to then go, Katie, what are you doing? Dad, I'm thinking about all the little girls that don't have a princess Play-Doh play set. And as I mash this Play-Doh, I'm mashing the hopes and dreams of other children with every mash. Metaphorically, this is a train wreck. But right, look, my kid doesn't talk like that. But right, I would say, what are you doing? That doesn't honor the giver. I'm trying to get an iPhone shot of you happy so I can send it. To- Be happy. <laughs> Great. Here, you destroyed my kid. Thanks. Appreciate the gift, right? What do I do? No, I don't want guilt. What do I do? Well, okay, a little bit of awareness would be okay. But that's where it ends. That's why I did global rich list. I moved on. Two slides. Moved on. A little bit of awareness. Some self-awareness. But I don't want that, right, to lead to radical guilt. Uh, a couple things I'd want for her. I'd want gratitude. I'd want her not to be arrogant. You know, I wouldn't want her to, like, rub it in other kids' faces. Look at this great stuff I got. I got all these toys, and you are poor. You don't have any. I wouldn't want that. Uh, I guess what I would want is gratitude, be generous and willing to share. That, that's it. That's what I'd love. If she would take this and say, you know, I could have a huge party. And look, I got 10 toys. I could invite 10 kids and let each kid have, you know, right? This is four-year-old stuff. How different is that from his advice to a rich person? With a four-year-old, gratitude starts simply. Write a thank you note. Acknowledge the gift. Don't hide behind. I, I don't deserve this. I, eh. You gave it. I acknowledge it, and I want to say thank you. Write a thank you note, okay?
Uh, what I wanted to do collectively was write a thank you note to God. Because if we're always, yeah, it's in the future. I'll be rich one day or whatever. This is what I wanted to do. And then I'd want her to share. And that's another sermon for another day. I'd want to be generous. I'd want her to be rich in good deeds and willing to share. I want her to lay up that Princess Plato set as a treasure in heaven, blah, blah. That's another sermon. Let's just start with gratitude. So here's what I want you to do. And everybody's got to play. You've got to play. If you're sitting next to somebody and they don't play, look at them and be like, you too cool? Okay, everybody's got to play. I want you to repeat after me. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. Let's say it one more time. Uh, because think about it. If God has blessed you with more than you need, you are rich. Okay? Uh, 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 one more time. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in riches. It's so uncertain. Put your hope in God, who so come, who so richly provides. Right? Everything for our enjoyment. Be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share, laying up for yourself treasures in heaven and taking hold of the life that is truly life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for blessing us with more than we need. And uh, God, I thank you for these uh, tricky passages in Scripture that I'm tempted, oh, I look at them, I think they're always for somebody else. Uh, but God, thank you for reminding me that this word is uh, for me today, and I pray you teach me how to be a good, rich person. Uh, beyond just guilt, God, let me live a life of gratitude that is willing to share. God, if you need my stuff to be redirected, it's your stuff. So if you need it to be redirected and go to somebody else, and not just share, but give away, I don't want to be average in good deeds. I want to be rich in good deeds. I want to give like a rich person, God. I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to live a life that's average in good deeds, because you haven't blessed me average. You've, you've blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. And so I pray, God, that I be rich in good deeds. I pray for all my fellow rich people. And uh, we join and we pray for those who are not in any way uh, affected by uh, 1 Timothy 6.17 because they're standing before you today and they've got just radical trouble. I mean, they, they, they see trouble on every turn. They feel financial pressure. I pray for them, oh God, that when they become rich, as we've sort of redefined it here today, They'd be generous and willing to share and be rich in good deeds. We thank you, O Lord, for you were generous to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The ushers are going to prepare this table. What a, boy, you talk about riches, you talk about stewardship. It's, it's a no-brainer. It just, you can't escape it. Like, it's, it's probably the easiest transition in the world. Who, who was generous to us? Like, who had everything? And you know, it's funny when you're... <clears throat> When you're rich, uh, Jackie made a really, my wife made a really, she always makes insightful comments, but she made a really insightful comment about um, uh, when Hurricane Sandy hit, you know, this area. Uh, I know you guys were out at Mastic. I thought such an insightful comment. She said, uh, you know, it's funny, like, or, or it comes up over and over again. Did you hear the story about the cruise ship and everybody was out stranded in the Caribbean and all this and they had, man, we we're living without, without clean water and we didn't have access to all the food we needed. And some people were kind of like, I mean, that stinks, but it's like that's the reality for a lot of people in the world. You know what I'm saying? And I can say that because I wasn't the one on the cruise ship, you know. Uh, so there's some self-righteousness that can get in there. I don't know. I'm not trying to say all that. But anyway, this was Jackie's point. She's like, you know, we sort of miss that when it's like when your standard of living is so high and you go so low, it's almost like if your standard of living was bad to start with, like if you were third world and you went a little bit lower, it's like you don't feel it as much. And that has uh, got me and Jackie thinking about the incarnation 
You get what I'm saying? Like if Jesus were third world and he came to like third world, that's, that's tough. But where did Jesus come from to manger? I mean, the highest of the high. I mean, here's Jesus, riches and glory and power and heaven and throne and crown and stable and animal stink and manger for us and our salvation. He was so generous to us, he didn't even withhold his own. You know, the Bible says, how is God not going to freely give us all things? He gave us his only begotten son. There's this tale of remembrance that we celebrate each Sunday. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, in like manner, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood given for you. He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The uh, ushers know how to help us come reverently to the table, and they can instruct you. Just follow their lead, but come reverently. We who are rich, he became poor that we could be rich, not just in all the financial stuff we're talking about, but Ephesians says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So come to this table of generosity. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.